verse 12. 1 Corinthians 3. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. I've entitled this message, Building Materials. And they're listed, gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. I covet your prayers that I might be enabled to give the meaning of this passage and that you would be given grace and I would be given grace to receive it. Now, this passage that I just read first applies to preachers. That's what the context of this passage is. Paul said, I've laid the foundation and another builds thereon. What are the materials you use in this building? But it also applies to the building materials every believer uses during their time here. Look in verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, the only way to look at any scripture is to throw the rest of the Bible at it. This has been used to teach heavenly rewards. Some will be rewarded. And those who are not rewarded will just simply be saved by the skin of their teeth. They'll be saved so as by fire. Some will have a high reward in heaven. Some will be down on the ground floor. When that passages, when that truth is taught, when the Bible teaches with regard to that, we got to look at what the other scripture says. I think of the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Some work 12 hours, some work one hour. They were all given the same reward. How can you improve on having the righteousness of Christ. What can you add to that that would make you higher in heaven? I think of the passage in 1 Samuel chapter 30 where um, David and his men went after the Amalekites to deliver uh, the people that were uh, taken away and zigzag, including his wife and his uh, the other men's families and when they go and they reach a creek, 200 of the men were too tired to 
ford the creek. And the other 400 men went. And when they came back with the spoils of the Amalekites, the scripture says the sons of Belial, the wicked ones, the worthless ones. That's what a son of Belial is, a worthless person. They said they should not get any of the spoils because we did all the work. David said it will not be so. Everybody gets the same thing. And it was a statute in Israel from that time forward. We know from the light of other scriptures that this is not speaking of somebody having a better life and therefore being rewarded accordingly. In the context, as I said, this is talking about preachers. Look in verse 9, for we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, is by grace. Paul wasn't saying that arrogantly or with pride. It's the grace of God that's made me this wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. Talking about this building it with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble. Another buildeth Thereon, but let every man take heed how he built thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. I want to read a passage of scripture from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, the building of the body of Jesus Christ. Now that's what he's talking about. And he's talking about preachers in the context. And the building materials are gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. It's all going to be tried by fire. What I've done, is going to be tried by fire in preaching. What I've done, you say, what have you done? I know I haven't done anything, but I'm preaching. I'm trying to preach, and the Lord put me in the ministry. Um, I, and I, I've, I've had to work. I've got to work, and it's going to be tried by fire. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he build thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, what abides a fire? Gold. Silver, precious stones. What gets burned up in a fire? Wood, hay, and stubble. Now the fire will be used to show what manner of building materials we use. The work that remains after the fire shows us what building materials were used. If it remains, it was gold. It was silver. It was precious stones. 
If it's burned up, it was nothing more than wood, hay, and stubble. Now, if it remains, we read in verse 14, if any man works abide, which he should build built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. What is the reward? Well, we can answer that question from 1 Corinthians. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 16, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Now, I don't have to preach. But I have to preach the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. And what a blessing it is to willingly preach the gospel. That's a reward in and of itself. I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? A higher place in heaven? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. I preach it freely that I abuse not my power. In the gospel. That's my reward. And it's a glorious reward. I'm thankful for that reward. If my Now what's he talking about when he talks about wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, and precious stones? The building materials that will stand the test of fire are gold, silver, and precious stones. And what I thought about was the Old Testament tabernacle. Gold, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Silver. Do you remember the silver atonement money that everybody paid the same amount? It was a half a shekel, the silver atonement money that was used for the construction of the tabernacle. And the silver sockets that held up the tabernacle it represents the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, the deity of Christ, the atonement of Christ. What are the precious stones in the tabernacle? You remember the priest, how he had the precious stones in his breastplate and on his shoulder pads, representing Christ, representing his people? Now, if that is my message, I'm using gold silver, and precious stones. It's the preaching of the gospel, and it abides the fire. It'll stand the test. Those who believe will continue. Uh, in the New Testament, the 12 foundations of the church is the doctrine of Christ. This is what this is referring to. What abides? What makes true converts? The truth. Now, if I use wood, hay, and stubble, all the people that I preach to will found, be found to be not even saved. There wasn't anything to it. Wood, hay, and stubble, anything that's not the doctrine of Christ, emphasizing church growth, using the wisdom of words, trying to package the gospel, some appeal other than the gospel, some motive other than Christ's glory. When the fiery trials come, 
The converts that came out of that will prove to have been false. Wood, hay, and stubble. Now, I've seen men preach the gospel. And they have some emphasis other than the gospel. Church growth. Trying to stir something up. They preach the gospel, but they, they had the foundation, but they used wood, hay, and stubble. It was all burned up. And let me say this. This burning is not talking about going to hell. This is talking about here on a day in time. You're going to be tested. The test of time. It proves everything, doesn't it? All the trials that come through time. They will demonstrate whether the men and women who claim to be converted through the preaching of that man, whether it was real. The man who preaches gold, silver, and precious stones, the gospel, it'll stand the test of fire. The people who believed it will be found to be real. And the man who made something other than the gospel, some kind of emphasis in his preaching, in his, quote, ministry. And I, I, don't, I, I don't even know how to use that word. I, I, I don't even like when preachers talk about my ministry. It's not your ministry. It's the, the ministry of the church. It's not my ministry. But, so I don't know how to say this the right way. But I do know this. If my preaching has been wood, hay, and stubble, Nobody is really saved under it. And that's going to be shown in this life. That day will declare it. There's always going to be testing. And the Lord did tempt Abraham. So the first application of this, and a very important application, is this is talking about the ministry. Whether wood, hay, and stubble is used, or gold, silver, and precious stones. But this has a word to every believer, not just preachers. You and I have a race to run, a life to live, a course to finish. You and I are building on the foundation. What materials are we using in the building we're doing on this foundation, Christ alone. And what came to my mind when I was thinking about this was 2 Peter chapter 1. Would you turn with me there? 2 Peter chapter 1. I think that this is a good commentary on what Paul is talking about. 2 Peter chapter 1. I first want to call your attention to verse 8 of 2 Peter. Chapter 1. And if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word barren is usually translated idle, it means lazy. Lack of effort. Lack of 
diligence. Unfruitful. Every believer does not want to be barren. And every believer does not want to be unfruitful. Amen? Not if I'm a believer. I don't want to be barren. I don't want to be lazy. I want, don't, do not want to be undiligent in the things of Christ. I want to bear the fruit of God the Holy Spirit. I want to bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. I don't want to be unfruitful. And every believer fears that because they know something about themselves. And they know how easy it will be for them to be barren and unfruitful. Now let's see what led Peter to make this statement and it will cast some light on what Paul meant by these building materials. Now look up in verse 1 of 2 Peter. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Now I love the language. I'm writing to the people who have been given faith. If you have faith, you know it didn't come from you. You know you obtained it. You know God gave it to you. And I love the way he calls faith like precious faith. Believers believe the same thing. Their faith is alike. They, there's no... Di they all believe that Christ is all in their salvation. I mean, they're all right together. They're, they're, someone says, well, I'm not so sure about that. Then you don't believe. Every believer believes the same thing, just alike. And that faith is precious. Now, that's who he's speaking to. Those that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called you to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And beside this. As glorious as these all are. Beside this or this also. This also. And beside this or this also. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. Now these are these building materials. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he that lacketh these things. Now, the word lack does not mean 
he that is without these things. But the word means they're not at hand. They're not there so you can see them. If you're a believer, you have the fruit of God the Holy Spirit. He's talking about it not being at hand, not being able to see it. That person is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. He loses his assurance. Now we're going to come back to that in a moment. But let's look what he says in verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, also giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Virtue. Now the word virtue means moral excellence. Add to your faith moral excellence. And it's taken from the word man. Be a man. Act like a man. Was this only to men? No, it's to women too. Be a man. You know what be a man means? You know, Paul said, quit ye like men and be strong. You know what be a man means? Do the right thing. That's simple enough, isn't it? Do the right thing. Be a man. Don't be a child. Don't be immature. Add to your faith virtue. Be a man. Do the right thing. And add to your virtue knowledge. Knowledge. Now, this is not talking about where Paul says knowledge puffeth up. I know more than you. I've got an advantage on you. I know something you don't know. The pride of knowledge, this is not what that's talking about. When it's talking about add to your Virtue, knowledge. But it's the knowledge Peter goes on to speak of in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, when he says, Grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul put it this way, Oh, that I might know him. I want to grow in the knowledge of his person. When I use his name, I don't want it to be name-dropping. I want to know him, and I want him to know me. Grow in knowledge. That's, that's the knowledge of his doctrine. Now, I'm not talking about being able to spout out to everybody what you believe. Well, I believe this. I believe that. I, I think Scripture teaches that. I mean, that's got its place. That's important. But I want, to, I want to grow in my knowledge of my need of the doctrine of Christ, of everything the doctrine of Christ says. I want to have a more glorious, exalted view of him. I want, to have a, I want to have a right knowledge of myself, my own sinfulness and my need of him. I want, to, I want to see my need of his doctrine. I want to see my need of his grace. I want to see my need of him to elect me. I want to see that more. I never want election to be just something I argue about or it's something I already believe. I want to see my need of his electing mercy. I want to see my need of his precious atonement. I want to see my need of his grace where it's not the doctrine I argue over, but I, I need for salvation to be by grace. I need to be preserved by him. I, 
need. I want to I grow in my knowledge, my understanding. I'm not talking about, I know something that you don't know, but I mean my true knowledge of him. Paul said, oh, that I might know him. And to your knowledge, he says in verse 6, and to knowledge, temperance. To your knowledge, add temperance. The word means control from within. It's the last of what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is temperance. Now, usually when we think of temperance, we think of temperance in eating and drinking, and that indeed is part of what temperance is. No question about that. It also means a temperate view of yourself, not being drunken and intoxicated with pride and self-righteousness and self-importance and arrogance. You know, when Paul gave in Romans chapter 12 when it, that you may prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, the first thing he said, let every man, well, I can't quote it, so turn to Romans 12 real quick. He says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace of God given unto me to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Don't be drunk. Have a temperate view of yourself. And you know what it is? Not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. What damage that does to us when we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Temperance. And then to temperance, Patience. Back to our text in 2 Peter chapter 1. To temperance, verse 6, patience. Now what is patience? The word means an abiding under. In my own experience, when things aren't going my way, I get so upset. I become so discontent. I become so resentful but when I am given grace to see things are going God's way everything exactly as he has purposed it for his glory and my good I'm patient patient endurance and you know you're a lot happier when you're patient aren't you when you're not patient when you're all upset about what's taking place oh you're so miserable Add to your temperance, patience. Everything is going exactly as God decreed 
for it to take place. I love what Scott Richardson said. If I had omnipotence, I'd change things. If I had omniscience, wisdom, I'd leave things exactly as they are. Everything is going according to God's eternal purpose. Patience. And to patience, godliness. Verse 6. Devotion. Devotion. It, um, piety. I want to be devoted to the Lord, don't you? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Oh, what a blessing. Brotherly kindness. Love is kind. It's not mean-spirited. Love is kind. And the kindness of the brethren. By this shall all men know you're my disciples, the Lord said, by your love one to another. Make love your aim. Be ambitious about charity. Make love your aim. Brotherly kindness. And to Brotherly kindness, he says in verse 7, charity. I love the scripture reading this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What a glorious, oh, charity, charity. And then I see, aren't these glorious building materials? And he says, add these, add these. Now look what he says in verse 8, 4. If these things be in you and abound, what things? Virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to be barren and unfruitful. I want these things to abound in me. You see, this thing of walking with Christ by faith doesn't mean, well, I believe I'll wind up in heaven. No, we got a race to run. We got a course to finish. And I want to abound in these things. But... Verse 9, he that lacketh these things. And let me repeat again, that word does not mean he doesn't have them, period. It means they're not at hand. They're not at hand. You know what that means. You know plenty of times in your own experience when they're not at hand with you. You're acting like an unbeliever. You're thinking like an unbeliever. You hate yourself for it, but that's what you're doing. These things are not at hand. What's the first thing you do when these things are not at hand? You think, I must not be saved. I must not be saved. And Peter tells us that's what we're going to think. Look what he says. He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now, when you're like this, 
you're going to forget that you were purged from your own sins. Now, let me say this, and this is so important. Can you say, well, with regard to virtue, check that box. I'm in good shape. I must be saved. Knowledge, check that box. Temperance, check that box. I'm in good shape. Patience, yeah, I'm patient. Godliness, I fit, that's me. Brotherly kindness, yep, got that one too. Charity, I've got assurance I'm saved. You're blind. The only time you're going to have assurance or the only ground of assurance is this. It is finished. And if you get assurance from thinking, well, I measure up on these things, you've missed it. It's also true that when these things are not at hand, you're going to forget that you were purged from your old sins. That's our experience. How many times has that happened to you in the course of a day? Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, that's the building of Gold, silver, and precious stones. And then there's the wood, the hay, and the stubble. Now, in concluding this message, I could not help in thinking of the fire burning up everything. Who do you think I thought of? Abraham and Lot. They were both believers. And the New Testament speaks very highly of Lot. Look in, while we're in 2 Peter, look in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes and condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto all those that afterwards should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot. Righteous Lot. That doesn't mean just Lot, as in he's the only one. Righteous just, righteous, Lot. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now that's God's testimony of Lot. So Abraham, well, we know Abraham was a believer, the father of the faithful. Uh, as far as men goes, he's the most important man, born of woman, um, in the Bible, Abraham. Lot. Well, this is God's testimony. Now, in Genesis chapter 25, when it's speaking of the death of Abraham, it says in verse 8, Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years. That word full means satisfied. Satisfied. And he was gathered to his 
people. Now, Abraham, we know from the scriptures, was a sinner, just like you and I are. Um, but when he died, by the grace of God, he died satisfied. I think of Paul saying, I've fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. That's the good fight. I've kept the faith. Lot was a believer, and you know their history. He chose the well-watered plain when Abraham gave him the choice. He didn't show any deference to Abraham. He chose the well-watered plain. And he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And the scripture says the men of Sodom were exceedingly sinful, exceeding sinners before God. But he saw some kind of attraction in Sodom. And he pitched his tent toward Sodom. He saw advantages in Sodom. And then all of a sudden we find him living in Sodom. And sitting at the gate in Sodom, which means he became a civic leader there. He saw all kinds of advantages Fleshly advantages in Sodom. I understand. I understand. And when God destroyed Sodom, he actually lingered. This man Lot lingered. God's going to destroy this place. Lot lingered. He didn't want to leave. And the angels grabbed him by the hand and yanked him out and brought him out of the city, the Lord being merciful to him. Well, I'm thankful for the Lord's mercy. But you know what he saw? He saw everything that he was involved in in Sodom burned up in this life. And... He died somewhat in shame, living in caves. And here's the point. Lot was saved, just as saved as Abraham was. Just as righteous as Abraham was. Just as accepted as Abraham was. The same place every believer is. Which one was happier in this life? I guarantee you, Abraham, when he died in that good, old, full age, and the last we read of Lot, he was living in a cave in fear. Uh, his wood, hay, and stubble is burned up, wasn't it? All the fleshly advantages he thought he had in living in Sodom, it was all burned up. Now, Gold, silver, precious stones. What? Building materials. Wood, hay, or stubble. Now the gold and silver and precious stones, the virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity are all arise from a simple faith in Christ. That's where that comes from. Looking to Christ only. Not trying to be that way. You look to Christ. 
That's what happens. And I, I thought about this. When I die, I'm, let me say this. I'm not interested in a legacy. You know, people say, I want to leave a legacy. I could care less. Uh, if I'm in heaven, do you think I'm going to care about any of this kind of, I don't care. Uh, I'm not interested in leaving a legacy, but I do believe this. How I will be remembered by the ones that knew me when I die is the way I am. And that's a, um, something to think about. Will I be remembered as someone who loved Christ? Someone who believed the gospel? Someone who, well, I guess I, I, I say everything when I say someone who loved Christ. I want to be remembered as someone who believed the gospel and loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the way every believer wants to be remembered. I don't want to be remembered by what a jerk he could be. I can be, I know. But um, I'd like to be remembered as, as someone who built upon the foundation gold, silver, and precious stones, the gospel. May the Lord grant us that for Christ's sake. Let's pray together. Our merciful Heavenly Father, how thankful we are for your gospel, for the foundation that you have laid, the Lord Jesus, and that all of our salvation is in him. And Lord, we pray that we might, by your grace, build upon this foundation, not wood, hay, and stubble that will be burned and proved to be nothing but gold, silver, and precious stone. May we add to our faith virtue and our virtue knowledge and our knowledge temperance and to our temperance patience and to our patience brotherly kindness and to our brotherly kindness charity. Lord, we pray that these things by your grace might be in us and abound, that we be not barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, bless this message. Bless your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.